Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. about empowered living. Now, let's join Jeff already in the studio. Hello and welcome. This is Jeff Bird, Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and this is Empowered Living. Our topic today is titled Standing Strong When Life is Unfair. Now, most of us have experienced that at times life can be unfair. Sometimes it can be extremely unfair. However, our future is never determined by the unfair things that happen to us, but by our response to them. Now, the illustration I want to share today is uh, from a man who had way more than his fair share uh, of unfair things happen to him. But because of his exceptional response, he ended up with miraculous results. The man we're going to look at is in, found in the book of Genesis, and his name is Joseph. Now, it's interesting that the name Joseph in the Hebrew comes from the same word that Jesus is from, Yeshua. It means one who saved. Now, I'm not going to have time to tell you the entire story of Joseph. I'm going to summarize it for you, but it's found in Genesis chapters 37 through 45. If you would like to take a few minutes and have some exceptional read and a very engaged story. But this man, Joseph, he's got 10 brothers. But Joseph is the favorite of the father, and the father shows that openly, which causes no small amount of uh, disgruntledness with his brother. In addition to some dreams that he has where he sees himself as ruling over them and them bowing down to him, the, even the parents bowing down to him, and he kind of unwisely tells the brothers these dreams, and that makes them hate him even more. So much so that uh, at one point they're out uh, tending their flocks and uh, Joseph's father, Jacob, sends him out to check on them. And when they see him coming, they decide to kill him. Uh, one of the brothers intervenes and he says, no, no, that, that's too extreme. Let's not kill him. Uh, 
let's just um, let's just dig a pit, in, or, or, or I guess the pit was already dug. Let's just throw him in a pit, and then we'll sell him uh, uh, to somebody who comes along. So that's what they do. They throw him in a pit, and when some traders come along, they pull him up out of the pit, and they sell him to the traders. The, the passage reads, this is Genesis uh, 37, 28, then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. So here he is. He's hated by his family. He's disowned. He's almost killed and sold as a slave into a foreign country. Um, now, Joseph could have uh, responded some different ways. He, he could have just been bitter. I mean, it would have been so easy just to... to dwell on that scenario and that rejection and this tremendous injustice and just become bitter and good for nothing, and maybe become a drunk or something else that, that's just kind of good for nothing. But that's not what Joseph does. We're told that the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Now, this is after he's been purchased as a slave by a, an Egyptian man by the name of Potiphar. We're told that he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and in this condition of slavery, God calls him a successful man because the Lord was with him. And everything that he did prospered, and uh, the, uh, this man Potiphar trusted him greatly, and so he put him in charge of all his household, everything, and apparently he had great wealth, and he had lots of other people that worked for him, and he, he put him in charge of everything and just let him, Joseph, run all his affairs. Now, the problem that came to Joseph was that Potiphar's wife had a thing for him. And when they were alone multiple times, she would come to him and say, lie with me, lie with me. And Joseph would say, I can't do this. I can't sin against the Lord by doing this. This is wrong. Can't, can't you know, wound my master Potiphar this way. He's given me everything but you. But she's persistent. And one day when they're alone in the house, she grabs him and says, lie with me. And Joseph runs. But she's hanging on, and he has this outer tunic on, and she has hold of that, and he, he flees, and she ends up with this tunic in her hand. And rather than be disgraced, she decides she's going to spin the story around. And so she screams, and when the other people come, that she says, oh, this Hebrew slave that you brought in, he's come to make a mockery of me. He came to try to force me to lie with him, and I screamed, and he ran and left this tunic in my hand. So... Um, not only now has he been rejected by his family, sold as a slave into a foreign country, now people are making up lies again. So Potiphar comes home, and his wife tells him this made-up, fabricated story, and Potiphar's very angry, but he doesn't have him killed, which is unusual. It seems like maybe there's a little benefit of the doubt that he gives Joseph, but he does have him thrown in prison. And we don't know how long he initially is in prison, but now he's in prison. Now he's rejected by his family, almost killed, sold as a slave into a foreign country, has lies and false accusations against him. Now he's in prison. And um, uh, we're, we're told here that Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who, was in the who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. 
these are some outrageous circumstances. I mean, this would make the basis for a, a, a really intriguing movie that would have us all in outrage at how this guy's being treated. But we're told three times in this passage that the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him. See, our circumstances do not make us or break us. It's who's with us in our corner that makes or breaks us. Someone in the worst circumstances can be a success when the Lord's with us. So what happens is uh, Joseph's there for, for some period of time, and God's given him this favor. Now he's in charge of the jail. And there's these two guys that are thrown into prison. The king has the Pharaoh thrown into, in, into prison. And one of them is the baker, and another's the cupbearer to the king. And they have these crazy dreams. You can read about them. Um, and uh, they're, they're in the prison. They're talking about this. And God gives Joseph the interpretation of the dreams. And he tells the uh, baker, he says, well, your dream means that you're going to be hanged. And he tells the cupbearer some better news. Your dream means that you're going to be restored and be the cupbearer to the king again. And sure enough, both those things happen. The baker's hanged and the cupbearer's restored. And Joseph asks the cupbearer, he says, when you get restored, would you please remember me and get me out of this prison? And um, so the cupbearer is restored to his place and forgets a Joseph for two full years. Not two partial years, two full years. 730 days. Can you just imagine that? Here's Joseph. He's in this prison. He's had this miraculous God-given interpretation of this guy's dream that came to pass, and the guy's restored, and he completely forgets that. How do you forget that? And every day, can't you just see Joseph waking up going, well, maybe this is the day he's going to remember, man, I'm going to get out of this prison. Maybe he's praying in the morning, God, please help the cupbearer to remember that you know, the interpretation you gave me and get me out of this prison. But two years pass in the prison, and Joseph is still faithful. He's still trusting. The Lord's still with him and prospering in that situation, and he's still not out of it. But um, what happens is another miraculous thing happens. Pharaoh has a dream, a couple of dreams, and uh, he's very perplexed by them, has no idea what they mean. And then the cupbearer remembers, oh, yeah, there was this Hebrew guy in the prison with me, and I had, I re, he says, I remember my sins this day. You know, I forgot all about this guy. But yeah, he interpreted the dream, said, you were going to restore me, you Pharaoh restored me. Now, here, here I am, the cupbearer. He said, this guy is, is one that can interpret dreams. So Pharaoh goes and gets him out of the prison. They wash him and clean him up, and he brings him before him. And uh, he tells him the dream, and God gives him the interpretation. He says, I hear that you can interpret dreams. He says, it's not me. He says, God interprets the dreams. He just gives them to me. So he told him the dreams, and Joseph interpreted what it meant, that there was going to be seven years of uh, abundance and bounty in the harvest and in the productivity of the land. And then it was going to be followed by seven years of famine. So Joseph told Pharaoh, he says, this is what the dream means, and what you should do is during the seven years of plenty, you should build storehouses all over the land and store up, store up, store up, so that you'll have enough for the seven years of famine. And we're told then that Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, and there is no one so discerning and wise as you are, you shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, 
Yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named Joseph Zaphonath Paneah, and he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, as his wife. And Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. In one afternoon, because of God's grace and goodness and the wisdom he gave him, he took Joseph from the prison to the throne room and put him in charge over the entire land. Everyone had to bow the knee when Joseph came through. No one could raise a hand or, or a foot in Egypt without Joseph's permission. Because of his faithfulness, God blessed him. He raised him up and he put him in charge. Now, here's what's happened. The, uh, the, the years of abundance come and they store up and they store up. And it says that they, they stored so much that they had more grain than the sand of the sea. And Joseph stopped counting because the amount they had was innumerable. They had abundance and more than abundance. But what happens is now the famine sets in and huh, back down where the, the brothers and the family are from, uh, they've got some famine coming. So Jacob, the father, tells them, hey, you need to go to Egypt and see if you can make a bargain or do something and get us some food because uh, we need it. And so the brothers come to Egypt and wouldn't you know who's in charge of giving out the grain? Yeah, it's Joseph, the one they almost killed and sold as a slave all those years before. So they have to come before him, and they don't recognize him. And there's an interesting story that goes on. He sends them back a couple of times, makes them bring back the little brother Benjamin. and uh, But they don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. But he hides it from them until I think it's the third time that they're back. He can't take it anymore. He just breaks down. He goes alone, and he weeps so loudly that all the Egyptians hear it. And uh, he, he finally comes before him, and he reveals himself to them. And this is how the passage, he says, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. It means they were terrified when they saw him. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry up and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come, and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Because of the faithfulness of this man and his lack of bitterness and his trust with God and God's presence with him, in spite of all that happens to him, in one afternoon, he saves two nations and becomes ruler over all of Egypt. He saves Egypt by the interpretation God gives him of the dream, and he saves this family who will become the nation Israel. Two nations that are still here thousands of years later because one man 
was faithful in the midst of unfair circumstances. Drawing from this incredible story of Joseph, uh, I'd like to give you nine things to remember when unfairness, mistreatment, things that are just wrong come to your life. Number one, there is more to the picture than meets the eye. A greater purpose is in the making. Don't limit yourself to your uh, perspective on just the immediate circumstances. There's a bigger picture that may not be present. Number two, what you are becoming is more important than what is happening to you. A temporary difficult situation that helps you become and bring out those seeds of greatness in you that gets results that last forever is a good trade-off. Temporary suffering for a permanent, high position, and effective life. Number three, what you are becoming is a choice that no one can take from you. Now, people might be able to treat you in certain ways or do things to you. Maybe it's wrong the way your family, your boss, other people treat you and the things that they do, but there's one thing that they can never impose on you, and that's your choice of how to respond. They cannot take They may take some things, but don't let them take that. Don't let them take your choice of how you're going to respond and what you're going to become as a result. Number four, remember God is with you. If you understand his heart towards you, if you, and and to do that, you need to look no farther than Jesus on the cross and see, this is God's heart. His arms are wide open. His heart is open to me. He's giving everything for me. Forgive us for all the wrongs we've done, as well as the other people who are wronging us. Every wrong motive and attitude, thought, and word, and action, he's taken it all. Because he, like Joseph with his brothers, he longs to be reconciled. He longs to be restored, to fall on our neck and kiss us and embrace us. And that's what he's wanting. And he's with you. And even in those difficulties, when you remember that and are mindful of that, stop focusing on the the other people who are doing wrong and acting wrong, and you focus on him, he's going to lift you to a new level and give you success and prosperity. Just like it said that Joseph was a successful man even while he was a slave. God can do that. He can make you successful and make you an overcomer, even in difficult situations. Number five, don't interpret delay as God having forgotten. There can be few things as uh, frustrating sometimes as delay. Uh, We're told that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And sometimes when our vision is a long time coming, or like when when the cupbearer forgot about Joseph for two full years, we're told, boy, those days can drag out. And it can seem like, well, the promise is never going to happen. God's forgotten about me. There's nothing there for me. Let me just go, you know, find comfort the best way I can and forget about any bigger purpose. Don't do that. Hang in there. Keep the vision. Keep the promises in front of you. Keep moving forward. Don't interpret that delay as the fact that you're never going to get there. You're going to get there. It's just, it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when, and keep moving forward. Keep developing yourself. Keep pressing on to do the right thing. And that leads to number six, that where you are is not where you're going to stay. Where you are today, it's not the end. Like Winston Churchill said one time, this is not the end. This is not even the beginning of the end, but this may be the end of the beginning. And we never know, just like Joseph, that one afternoon that Pharaoh had that dream and he was taken from the prison to ruler over the land in one afternoon. We never know when that beginning is going to end and enter us into our fulfilled destiny. 
So don't give up. Don't sell yourself short and give up when things get difficult. Keep the vision. Keep moving ahead. And remember, number seven, God is orchestrating a greater good than you can imagine. I think when Joseph was wanting to get out of that prison, he didn't have in mind to be ruler of Egypt. He'd have probably been happy to you know, be a fisherman or sell something on a corner somewhere just to be out of the prison. Probably had no inclination that he would be ruler over the entire land and save both Egypt and the nation of Israel. Number eight, what you were coming to will be of more value to others than you can imagine. So many people have found their greatest purpose in their greatest difficulties. And once they discovered it, have been so useful in helping other people through what they went through themselves. So the value to other people is going to be greater than we can imagine. We never know uh, what's going to come of it, but we need to keep trusting again and moving forward. And then number nine, this is the last one. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Joy is going to be the outcome. Joy of a vision fulfilled, especially when we thought it wasn't going to happen and we almost gave up. And like Joseph, I can only imagine the joy of what he, when he told his brothers, go get, go get dad and tell him of all my splendor in Egypt. He's never going to believe it. And come here and I'll care for you. We're told in Psalm 126, verse six, that he who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with it. That's, it may be difficult as we're out sowing the seeds and planting, but when the harvest comes, when the harvest comes, we're going to bring it all in. Jeff will be back shortly to wrap up today's message. This is Gabriela, still on the scene today with Talk Network Radio. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Empowered Living with Jeff Byrne. If you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it again online, as well as the entire archive of Empowered Living at www.topnetworkradio.com or search keyword hashtag Empowered Living. We would like to acknowledge our music partners, Sound Ideas for Corporate to the Max, and Kevin McLeod for Airport Lounge. Any scriptures read during this broadcast are from the New American Standard Version of the Holy Bible. If you would like to learn more about Jeffrey Bird Coaching, visit www.jeffbirdcoaching.com. That is J-E-F-F-B-Y-R-D-Coaching.com. Do a Facebook search for at Coaching Rocks or drop Jeff a line at Jeff at JeffBirdCoaching.com. Again, J-E-F-F-B-Y-R-D-Coaching.com. Let Jeff's Coaching Rocks be the building blocks of your empowered success. Now, let's go back to Jeff for the rest of today's message. Now, I want to, uh, uh, to, give, you, to give you an invitation if um, so often, and I did this for years, and I know so many people who have done this, like Joseph's brothers, when they saw Joseph, they were terrified because they knew their wrongs came to mind and they knew how they had mistreated him and they were afraid of judgment, afraid of retribution. And that wasn't Joseph's heart, but so many of us have seen God as being the one who's just ready to just, you know, send us to hell the moment he has the slightest pretext. And just, he, he's just counting all of our wrongs against us, and he, he's just waiting to just hammer us, and that could not be 
farther from the truth. We see his heart in the heart of Joseph for the brothers. They come and they're afraid, but all he wants to do, he was, he saw that sacrifice and didn't hold it against him. Uh, all that he suffered and all that he endured, he saw that as God sending him ahead to provide a great deliverance. And I want to invite you just to look to the great deliverance that God has provided for us and his son, Jesus, on the cross. That's his true heart. It's not there to punish us. He'll take all the punishment himself for every wrong thing, the littlest words, the littlest attitudes to the biggest misdeeds that you may have ever done and that I've ever done. He's taken them all away. All he wants is to be reconciled like Joseph there, to embrace the brothers, to cry with them, to bring them there. And like he invited the brothers to come in, he would provide for them. He would take care of everything they had. So if you've never seen God that way, I invite you, look at him that way today. Uh, Jesus reflects his heart perfectly, uh, especially in giving everything for us. And uh, all you, there's nothing you have to do except just look at him and believe that, hey, this is, this is who he is. This is what he's really like. And uh, trust him. Uh, ask him to, you don't have to ask him. He's already done it for you. He's already loved you to the, to the all he has to love, uh, an infinite love. But uh, just trust him. Just tell him, say, I ask you to come in and just, uh, you, you provide for me. You care for me, just like Joseph for the brother. And uh, he's going to come in. Uh, just like Joseph, he'll be with you, make you prosperous, he'll give you success. It may be through difficulties, but even in the difficulties, he'll be with you and promises an end beyond what you and I can imagine. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Jeff Bird with Jeffrey Bird Coaching. This has been Empowered Living. God bless you. See you next time.